If you are interested in simplifying your life and your business, have you thought about automating things? Welcome to Outside the Box with Elsa. Your host is Elsa Palmer Oden. There are many tools that you can use in business and personal automation, including virtual assistants. It's time to take back your time and management. Now, here's your host, Elsa Palmer Oden. Welcome to Outside the Box. I'm your host, Elsa Palmer Oden. I have a great show planned for you tonight. If you have any questions during the show that you'd like to ask, you can call in to 866 472 5788, or you can send an email to Elsa at ElsaOutsideTheBox.com and we'll try to get to them. So today is September 17th. I first would like to uh, wish a very happy heavenly birthday to two great entertainers, Hank Williams Sr. and John Ritter. Love that comedy. Now, in 1787, the final draft of the Constitution was officially signed. And in 1796, our first president, George Washington, delivered his farewell address to Congress before finishing his second term in office. In 1962, the first federal suit to end public school segregation is filed by the U.S. Justice Department, which was a great step to having equality for all Americans. Today is Constitution and Citizenship Day. And it's National POW MIA Recognition Day. The United States of America was founded on freedom, liberty, justice, and happiness for all. On September 12th, 2001, we showed great unity and patriotism across this great nation. However, just 20 years later, our country seems a lot less patriotic. Today, we'll be discussing patriotism freedoms and unity with a special guest, Josh Caldwell. So I welcome to the show, Josh. I'm so happy to have you here tonight for this special episode honoring the great red, white, and blue. Tell us a little bit about your background. Thanks, Elsa. I thought it was interesting that they did the disclaimer saying that whatever opinions we expressed were not necessarily the opinions of this, this station before I even started talking. I was <laughs> a bit there. Um, I am a Desert Storm era veteran of the United States Marine Corps. I was a military policeman. Um, post 9-11, I'm one of the founding members of the reformed Federal Air Marshal Service and one of the founding members of the Department of Homeland Security. Um, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. We'll make that simple and easy. Well, that almost sounds too simple. Your history goes way back. (laughs) <laughs> all right what actually or who made you decide to go down this kind of path in your life well a, a couple of things really I, I guess it was really situational i was trying my best to be a normal average human being when 9-11 hit um i was running a transmission shop in pittsburgh and 9-11 kind of kind of changed the world because we found out we were at war with some people that we didn't even know we were at war with. Um, and I, I happened to have developed at that point a skill set that was fairly useful if you were looking to protect a country. And I really wanted to protect mine. So 9-11 really changed you? Oh, it did. I uh, it, it 
I've, I've always been very patriotic. I've always had a, I guess it's a natural desire to want to protect people. And when you throw those two thoughts together, it, at some point you end up in the military or you end up in, in federal law enforcement or local law enforcement. Um, and I seem to have kind of fumbled my way into both. Um, it just seems that there are times when it just feels like the right thing to do to step forward. And I guess that's what I did. Well, how united and patriotic did you feel that the country was the day after 9-11? And how patriotic and unified do you think things feel now? Well, 9-11 was a shocker for everybody because we were were going through our normal everyday lives, mind your own business. And all of a sudden, some unknown just attacked us out of the blue and killed a whole bunch of our people. Um, and we, we had no idea why, and that uncertainty and the unjustness of it, it kind of melded us all together. And it it was all one big come together moment where every American realized our, our commonalities and our freedoms and everything that's great about America was under assault. Um, in the days following nine 11, it was just patriotism on display everywhere and it was everybody it was the rich and the poor the urban the farmers every category you could think of didn't view themselves as a as a category anymore we viewed ourselves just as americans the way it's supposed to be now good grief we are fragmented over so many so many battle lines i i I, I worry, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but it, it, I see a lot of historic parallels to the late 1850s, you know, where people have very different views of reality, and nobody really looks like they're going to compromise, and I kind of worry about where that road's going. Well, isn't that how this country was set up was so that you know, it wouldn't be run by one particular ideology, that it would be a combination of ideas and negotiating, compromising, things like that between different ideologies. It is. It, it, Isn't that what it's supposed to be? It is. It, it's part of the greatness of America is the way our representative republic was set up. Um, the founders understood the, the people had all the power. That's the way it's supposed to be. And the people would wax and wane and change opinions and change sides on different events. Um, but we would elect leaders who would reflect our views. And those leaders would go forth and be our representatives and actually spend the time to do what needed to be done to run the government. And we've gone, man, we've gone really far from that. Um, it really seems that our, our leaders don't represent us. Um, once they get to Washington, they do their own thing, regardless of what the, the people who brought them into office wanted them to do. Um, but the, at the core, what, what is truly exceptional in America is the way we are set up where the power is vested in the people. You know, people want to talk about equality there. There's no better equality than being a citizen in America. Oh, I fully agree with that. 
being a citizen in America is is a good privilege to have. Yeah, you look at other countries, and I think most of us take it for granted because we do have it so good in America that if you look at some of these other countries, people are being attacked or killed in their own country for stupid stuff that you can do here that are just fine here. Or like what's going on in Afghanistan with the women and children. It's a tragedy. It's a very avoidable tragedy, but we'll get into that one later. Um, uh, Part of the the freedoms that come with being an American, we all got lucky. We basically hit the the birthright jackpot. We were born in in the right place, in the right era. Um, And we have a lot going for us that, it seems a lot of people have forgotten or just don't know about. Um, I remember having a very strange conversation. The first time it really clicked for me, I was standing in Saudi Arabia and I had a fellow, a Saudi come up and started yelling at me about what a terrible country America was. And his impression was that if you said what you thought, they'd shoot you in the streets. And it, it really took me back because I was literally standing in his country where they might actually do that. You know, where I can rightfully or wrongfully walk around the White House with a sign saying the president's an idiot any day I want to. And the worst I'm going to get is somebody staring at me would would give me a bad look. It is well within my rights to walk around with a sign saying the president's an idiot. And I'm allowed to voice that opinion. Maybe not on social media, fine. um, We'll get into those people later. But in lots of other countries, that's the kind of thing that would get you put in jail and or executed. But our, our founders understood that in order to have a functioning republic, in order to have the people in charge, you had to be able to openly discuss things. This idiocy that you can't question the science. Yes, you most certainly can. Are you insane? And that's such a silly, silly statement to make. You can question anything. Now, your questions may be foolish, your conclusions may be wrong, but you sure as heck should question anything. As an American, it's your right. Now, if I remember correctly in American history, the way the founding fathers set things up, it was supposed to be the people that served in D.C., that served in the federal government for us, from the president down through the Senate and the House were all supposed to be just civil servants, serve their time, and then go back to normal life. They're when did all that change to where now if they're career politicians instead of just civil servants for a time and then back to their life? Yeah, the, the people who call themselves public servants now and that title, that title makes me insane. Some of them are. Most of them are there just to serve themselves. Um, the fact that we have a whole lot of politicians who get wealthy while they're politicians, that should bother everybody. You know, if you make $174,000 a year, what you know, somebody in Congress makes, you should not be able to, you know, four years later, come out of that with $10 million. The math does not support that statement. Um, but the majority of the politicians who go to Washington magically become wealthy while they're supposed to be representing us. 
And there seemed to be a serious conflict of interest there. But somehow we've gone numb to that idea. Well, um, and there's no term limit. You know, just keep, except for presidency, there's no term limit. Just keep repeating and repeating and repeating and stay in there for 40 years or so. Yeah, you're right there. I, as brilliant as our forefathers were, they seem to have missed that detail. You know, they, they, they understood that the executive shouldn't rule like a lifelong king, but it didn't, I don't think it occurred to them that the populace would allow people to stay in there that long. I, I think they, they envisioned a world where every couple of years, somebody new would come up and the, the person who was in there would just want to go back to their regular lives and want to go back to their farm or their tannery or whatever it was that they ran. Um, and were turned from what actually was kind of a burden on those folks. Right. And I mean, the government is actually supposed to be working for us. In theory, sure. I don't I mean, think we're paying their our tax dollars, pay them their nice salaries. True. But their salary, their salary seems to be only a fragment of their actual income, which is its own other problem. But yeah, I, I at some point. We as citizens let this slip. Um, and I don't know when that point was. It, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history dork, and I don't know when that point was. But it, at some point, we stopped holding our reps accountable. We stopped paying attention. And I don't know if it's just the complexity of our modern lives. I don't know that it's just that we've had it so good for so long. But we stopped paying attention. You know, I... You stop people in the street and you see these interviews where people can't name their senators, can't name their congressmen, can't even name them. You have no idea what they're doing. You have any idea what they voted on the last last bill that came came on the floor? I'm embarrassed to tell you I don't either. Um, but, you know, I can stop somebody on the street or walk into a bar and ask them who leads the NFL in receiving yards and 10 people answer the question. But right. God, if I asked them who voted on the latest bill and which way they voted, I'll just get a bunch of blank looks. Which one do you think is more important, the receiving yards or the people running the country? Well, you would think the people running the country, but at the same time, I think a majority of America believes that they're doing the job that they need to do and we don't need to worry about it. We can just sit back and let them do their job, which could be dangerous. I'm going to... We need to watch. When when you look at the approval rating, especially for Congress, and it... God, through the last seven or eight presidents, it's been like this. Congress's approval rating is horrible. And the reason for that is they do a horrifically bad job. You know, I'd be willing to bet if you took a bunch of conscientious people and just picked names out of a phone book, Young people, a phone book is what you used to use to get people's phone numbers. It was this big yellow thing, and it had everybody's name and number. Not important for this conversation, though. <laughs> but if you just picked random strangers out of the phone book, you would think you would get better performance. You know, our politicians are happy to pass these thousands and thousands of pages of bills that nobody reads. 
they slip all sorts of stuff into that has absolutely nothing to do with the core bill. And nobody calls them out on it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I put a lot of the, the responsibility on our press. You know, for a free society, you're supposed to have a, a free press. And part of that free press is they have to be competent. We have a press that's largely an echo chamber. Um, and they aren't real interested in holding anybody in politics accountable, unless it's because they have a political axe to grind. But good grief, you could write a story on political corruption or incompetence every day of the week, and it would be a true story. Now I don't think it would be bad an eye at it. Right. Nobody's paying attention. Yeah, nobody. I, it's We as citizens are supposed to be the watchdogs. The press is supposed to inform us. None of that's happening. And uh, general apathy has overtaken us. And I can't tell you where it starts. I can't tell you how to fix it. Um, if I did, I'd be running for president. But it, it's our own apathy that really seems to be the problem. Well, do you feel that our freedoms, like freedom of speech, press, religion, are all being taken away or being limited in today's culture? They're all under assault. Um, and they're all being fought by lawyers, which is a terrifying place to have it fought with. Um, but yeah, everything, everything, all of the God-given freedoms that our forefathers saw are at least under assault by people who would like to limit them. And in some cases, they're very successful. The founders saw it, and this was what made America truly exceptional, that the government was only granted the powers that the citizens gave them. The government had no power. All of the power came from the citizens. And the citizens granted that whatever powers the government was allowed to have. But over the last 200 plus years, we've had this mission creep. And now we have situations where the government is granting the citizens their rights. That's absolutely backwards. It's absolutely wrong. And we're, everybody can feel it. We're a heartbeat away from the point where you need to present your papers in some places you do. To be able to go into a restaurant, to be able to go on an airplane, to be able to travel freely. Um, it's the, the whole lockdown culture and I get COVID scares some people. I've actually had it three times. Um, and I am kind of the poster boy for having COVID, COVID problems. I'm old, I'm fat and I've had lung problems for 30 years. And the first time it kicked the crud out of me. Um, so, I mean, it is scary, but it's not the government's world to be able to tell me what I'm going to do about it. Okay. You want to protect you? Go right ahead. I won't stop you. You want to tell me that I have to do something? No, that's not your choice to make. Um, and to the best of my ability, I feel absolutely no need to comply with your ridiculous demands. Um, but the real situation is that the fools who run the government can cause you a whole deal of problems. You know, they can restrict things from you. They can stop you from doing things. 
not quite to the level of the Chinese communists, but nowhere near what our founding fathers thought they should be able to do. Well, do the mandates violate our constitutional rights or are they able to do them? I'm not a lawyer, certainly not a constitutional scholar. But yeah, I'm, in my opinion, yes, they most certainly violate our constitutional rights. Um, and it, it goes several levels. You know, if you tell me that I have to wear a mask, okay, what authority was the government granted to tell me how I'm dressing? Or what I'm supposed, what I'm supposed to do in time of emergency? And I get that there are times of legitimate emergency, but let me clue you in on this. Anybody who's ever been in the military, and if you haven't been, seriously ask anybody who has, has at some point donned chemical protection gear. Chemical protection gear is head-to-toe coverage with rubber gloves, rubber boots, charcoal-impregnated clothes, and a gas mask with filters and an airtight seal. That entire get-up gives you an 80% chance of protecting yourself from a virus. That little cloth thing that you have on your face, I'm going to tell you, has absolutely no benefit. There's a lot of doctors who say that it does, a lot of scientists who say it does, and there's a whole bunch of other ones who say it doesn't. So somebody's obviously wrong, but let me insert a little logic into this conversation. You know what a virus is? It's, it's a very small one-cell organism. Okay. Right. And all it needs is a way to get into your body. Unless your eyes are covered, you are not protecting your body. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make the argument, as my, my pharmacist pointed out, that the cloth mask over your mouth is a whole lot like trying to stop mosquitoes with a chain link fence. Okay. But if we, if we move past that, if we assume that your little one strip of cloth is some super magic protector shield your eyes are still completely open so if somebody who's infected sneezes in your direction and your eyes are not covered you have absolutely no defense you are wearing a security blanket on your face and you somehow think you're doing something the lack of thinking there is what makes me absolutely insane but i one of my favorite sayings is half the people you meet are below average at times, it really feels like it's 90%, but half the people you meet are below average. Just get over that. Um, and then a whole lot of other stuff just starts to make sense once you realize that. Am I sounding angry and bitter enough yet? <laughs> no, you're very opinionated, and that's what I like. It's what I've always loved about you. Always very opinionated. Well, let's get into a little bit on the southern border. I've noticed in the news here the last few days that there's been a lot going on at the southern border with a lot of people coming in and getting over to the bridge. So how safe do you think the southern border is and what do you think is the biggest problem that we might have? Oh, my. What a loaded, loaded question. Before I even answer that one, one of the things that I found most peculiar about this particular surge across the border was that the federal government, the Biden administration there, 
felt the need to use the FAA to ground drones. Really now? You ground, grounded drones to make sure nobody could get video of what was actually happening. Now, if that isn't an attempt to keep the people who really should be in power here from actually knowing what's going on, I don't know what the heck is. There's absolutely no other reason you could have done it, and it hasn't been done before. Um, so that struck me as very strange. Um, as to the current illegal immigrant surge, whole bunches of things happen there. The media likes to portray these as just poor people seeking a, a way to make a living. And for some people, that is true. But that's also the great transshipment point for all of the narcotics that kill our people. That's the great transshipment point for lots of human trafficking. Um, and they also really go out of their way, the news media does, to misportray the separating of children from the adults that they're with. Um, there was a story today about the Border Patrol spotting something yellow in, in the high weeds in the Rio Grande. And I, I wish I could tell you which sector it was, but the, the agent pulled over and found a toddler, like a three-year-old girl, with another child in the stroller. And they had been abandoned by whoever was using them as a shield to try to come across. Because smugglers, bad people, gang members, what have you, realize that they draw a lot less attention if they appear to be a family unit. So they'll, in some cases, actually purchase children to use them as basically props to walk across the border with. And in that instance, whoever it was that was dragging them across the border just left them literally on the side of the bank. If you imagine a three-year-old and a baby on the side of the bank of a river with nobody there to help them, and it's the kind of stuff that happens at the border all the time. Again, if you're listening to me, go seek out a Border Patrol agent. Don't wait for the media to tell you what's going on there. Talk to somebody who actually works there. Um, and ask them how things are going. And they will tell you wonderful stories about gangs and drugs and human trafficking and all sorts of horrible things that you wouldn't want entering your community. That's even before we get into the terrorists. Um, because it's, it's not ever really reported. But there are lots of people who come across that border who aren't from Mexico. They aren't from South America either. They're from everywhere. Uh, you'll get ISIS types coming across that border. You'll get Chinese people coming across that border. Um, everybody who, you know, wants to come here illegally, that's the easiest way to do it. You know, if you come through a port of entry, if you come through in an airport, somebody's going to screen you. Somebody's going to look through your luggage. But you can walk across that lightly defended border between the U.S. and Mexico anytime, day or night. Um, and people have been doing it in large numbers for quite a while, and we don't really do a whole heck of a lot about it. Um, the media will tell you that we can't do anything about it. The politicians will tell you that we can't do anything about it, but not entirely true. Um, I'm going to stumble on the history on this one, so you're going to have to look this one up yourself. But right around World War II, the U.S. military deported, I want to say, 2 million people. They did a massive roundup. I want to say it's early 1940s, might be mid-40s, um, but the military got involved 
and they literally. Hey, Josh, let's let's hang on just a second because we're going to have to take a quick break for our sponsors, but we'll continue this when we get back. Uh, I just want to do take a quick moment to recognize our POW and MIA soldiers and their families on this National POW MIA Recognition Day, and we'll be right back. Entrepreneurs and business owners need reliable, good assistance without the time-consuming stress that comes with searching for, hiring, and training someone. That's where U.S. Virtual Assistant and REIAssistant.com comes in. Their outstanding U.S.-based virtual assistants are trained, have strong skills, experience, and are reliable. They make it easy to work with a rock star virtual assistant so you can reclaim time to do what you need to do and grow your business. They carefully pair you with an experienced virtual assistant who can take care of pretty much any task that doesn't require their in-person presence. From inbound calls to outbound calls to property management and from marketing to websites, they have your small business needs covered. Hiring a virtual assistant is easier than hiring and training an assistant yourself. Best part? It's also cost-effective, saving you up to 85% compared to hiring your own in-house or virtual assistant. Stop doing everything yourself and get your time back by hiring a VA from usvirtualassistant.com. Visit us or call today, 855-2-GET-A-VA. Looking to buy or sell your piece of Southwest Florida paradise? Make your choice a logical one with Logical Choice Realty Group. Sell it faster for more money and less stress. They'll get your home sold and closed. Go to logicalchoicerealtygroup.com and start packing today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Outside the Box with Elsa. To reach the live show, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Elsa at ElsaOutsideTheBox.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back. I've got Josh Caldwell on the line here. Now, Josh, we were talking about the issues going on at the southern border. So what would you say we could do to protect it or make it better, safer? Oh, good grief. We can actually try enforcing the law. That'd be great. Um, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to disparage the border patrol guys. Those guys have possibly the toughest job in America, um, but their hands are largely tied, and they don't really have the resources they need. It, it is staggering to me that the most technologically advanced, wealthiest nation on the planet can't build a border barrier. Um, North Korea has one. We don't. Um, try crossing into China illegally and we facing machine guns. Now, I'm not suggesting that we just machine gun people coming across the border, but it wouldn't be real hard for us to build something maybe like a wall, um, something that would be difficult to cross, something that would channel you through ports of entry um, and then be able to actually make some attempt at screening people coming in. The lack of political will to do so has really hurt a lot of Americans. Like I was saying, 
the majority of the drugs that come into this country. You know, you want to talk about opioid crisis. You, you want to talk about, you know, the need for Narcan. You want to talk about wasted lives. Heal the border up and a whole lot of that goes away. And what doesn't go away is going to have to find a new way to get here. Um, because that's been the easiest way to get bad stuff into our country for decades. But it's never really been, with the exception of President Trump looking to build that wall, it, it's never really been much of a priority. And it, it, it amazed me to see the politicians who would come out and fight against that wall. I mean, granted, my opinion, they were politically pandering, and they wanted the vote from everybody who was coming across the, the border illegally to give themselves power. But there's no way you could possibly make that decision with the eye toward representing your people, toward representing American citizens. And the left will come out and say all sorts of silly racist stuff. But American citizens are a melting pot of everywhere. We come from every country on the planet. But we come here voluntarily. And we come here wanting to be Americans in the modern world. You know, some of our people came here badly. Some of our people came here in horrible states. But people that are coming now are coming here, the people who are coming legally, are coming here because they want to be Americans. They want to take part in the American dream. And legal immigrants are some of the most anti-illegal immigrant people you're ever going to meet because they know the difference. You know, you can't just walk in here, plop yourself down, partake of all of our, our benefits, and then declare yourself at, in your heart to be from some other country and to not be part of us. And along with that, yeah, just the magnitude of, of crime and drugs that comes across that border is just staggering. Now, what would you say when, because I've heard this argument before, oh, if you build a wall, everything's, all the drugs and uh, trafficking and all that are still going to come here because they're just going to build tunnels. So what do you say to that argument of that point? Oh, I'd love to have somebody say that to me because the, the first words out of my mouth are, you're a moron. Because I've heard argument that argument. Is, your argument is that we shouldn't try because we'll make them work harder to accomplish their bad task, and they'll just do it anyway. That is a painfully stupid argument. That is a loser's argument. A, we shouldn't try to fix this problem because we're going to lose anyway. No. If we could restrict, let's, let's just focus on just the drug flow. If we could restrict the drugs coming in the United States by just 10%, just 10%, okay? We're, I would call that it still in colossal failure ter- territory, but just 10%. How many lives would be saved? You know, anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't known somebody or been touched by drug addiction, A, bless you, and B, go talk to somebody who has and let them tell you how horrible it can be. Let them tell you what happens when some fantastic viable human gets hooked on an addictive substance and you get to watch their lives just crumble in front of you and what those people who love that person would have done to stop that from happening. One of the few things the government's actually supposed to do in their limited capacity 
is they're supposed to protect the nation. And that's one of those areas where they're just a colossal failure. I mean, I, I'm not in any way speaking ill of the brave men and women out there. DEA, DOJ, local state law enforcement, the military, the Coast Guard, all those people who are hard at work protecting us. I'm talking about the politicians who failed. It's not those men and women. Those men and women are doing the best job they can possibly do under ridiculously difficult circumstances. But they're not getting the kind of support they should, especially not the kind of support they should be getting relative to the problem. You know, we'll go all out into absolute crazy lockdown over COVID. Hey, let's try all out over crazy lockdown on our southern border to stop drugs from coming into the country and ruining people's lives. There's a lockdown that actually supports. But across a very small geographic border, and not small border, but small geographic area, with the guys stopping the flow of illegal narcotics coming into the country, why don't we make it as hard on them as humanly possible? Why don't we make it ridiculously difficult? Why don't we employ all of our technology, every barrier we can think of, everything the United States can muster to stop that from happening? Ask your politicians that question. Why don't any of them propose some new funding for the border? No, they want to take the funding away and use it in other places. When we do need yes, to stop the so human trafficking. And, exactly. We need to stop the human trafficking. We need to stop the drug flow, all the fentanyl that's come in through the border. So, yeah, I, I agree. We, something needs to be done. Do yeah, you believe? Take- oh, go ahead. We could take that same amount of money and do something that helps our people. You know, those people, those people could hate us for free. That'd be great. We have yet to figure out a way how to buy friends, although we've been trying it for decades. You know, the same people we give aid to, if they hate us, they still hate us, but they hate us and get money for it. I don't understand that. I, I wish I could get paid by the people that I dislike. Um, but no, it doesn't really work that way in the real world, does it? But for some insane reason, our, let's be honest, bankrupt government, I mean, these people are literally trillions of dollars in debt, feel the need to spend money that isn't theirs because it's ours, trying to buy the friendship of people who, for very specific reasons, dislike us. You know, they dislike our way of life. They dislike us culturally. They dislike who we are. They dislike things like we let gay people live. Yet we still send them lots of money under the, the, the theory that, hey, if we give them a bunch of money, maybe they'll stop hating us. 9-11 was the big example of why that isn't going to work. It is literally a cultural conflict. Our culture and their culture do not exist on the same plane. No, they're too different from each other. That and you know the, the people with the coexist bumper sticker, Go ahead, try to coexist with somebody whose only goal in life is to kill you. And, and that's how they were you don't brought up. People exist. You need to get out a little bit more. You need to do some traveling. You need to talk a little bit more. And for the love of God, your sociology professor is not a good source of information. That loser is only in college because he never left and hasn't been able to find a job outside of the restaurant field anywhere. You kind of have a point. 
do you believe making fun of sociology professors <laughs> do you believe that the nation is safer today as a result of the changes that took place and the creation of the department of homeland security yes um because we threw a whole lot more resources at the problem but much like the border patrol you know in defending the border without the politicians doing the right thing the effort of all those brave men and women is is largely nullified you know i don't know exactly when afghanistan's going to come back to bite us but it's gonna um I'm even going to look beyond all the equipment we left behind, as appalling as that was. But just giving the Taliban control. These are not good people. These are people who have a sixth century ideology that is incompatible with Western civilization. They think God himself doesn't want gays to live. They believe that women are basically chattel. Um, all of the rights and the freedoms, First Amendment, gone. I, they're completely against things that we find to be just basic parts of living. They excused a guy from playing music the other day. Music, that was his crime. Because in their belief system, God doesn't want anybody to play music. Now, you are not going to argue or bring somebody to your point of view by explaining the benefits of music if they believe in their heart that God thinks it's a sinful behavior and it's wrong for them to allow that person to live. That's the people we just gave control of a country to. Now, like they were before 9-11, before we invaded Afghanistan, they're going to be firing the terrorist camps right back up. That place is going to become a training mecca for every horrible group that you would never want to train. You know, everybody who wants to blow stuff we care about, everybody who wants to attack us and every other civilized nation on the planet, they now have a free playland where they can train and get better at what they do, where they can fund their ideology, where they can stockpile weapons. Um, and we gave it to them. And granted, nobody wanted to be in Afghanistan. And it was, it was, a, it was a, difficult position to be in and we basically had to stay there to keep the lid on this in the hopes that someday they would form a civilization compatible with ours but we were nowhere close to that and they're proving it on the streets now you know that pregnant policewoman they killed in front of her family it, that's just the horrifying stuff that normal people would couldn't imagine happening and I guess they just turn a blind eye to it. The news doesn't really talk about it. But I, my theory is that a lot of people just put it out of their heads because they don't want to believe it's real. And they don't want to believe it could come here. People like that are already here. Um, it's not us. It's not on the news. It's not really something that gets a whole lot of publicity. But there are people like that already here. And it doesn't take a whole heck of a lot of them to cause a problem. And they blend right on in. You don't know who's bad and who's good. No. That's, you know, 
if I meet somebody, I can't tell what's in their heart and their head. You know, just looking different is absolutely no indicator of anything. No, because I mean, like us, no we all look different. You've got people. You you've got people from you know Kurdish areas. I, I still remember a Kurdish prisoner we had. He was six foot five, whiter than me, and had red hair. If that guy had been an Islamic extremist, I, I would. I, he certainly wouldn't have fit the stereotype. He he certainly wouldn't have fit a look. And that's that's really where the Israelis accelerate excel way beyond us. The Israelis do a lot of behavioral profiling that we don't do. Um, if you ever fly on an Israeli airline, they're calling you days ahead of time to ask you where you're going and who you're meeting because they, and it, it works in a smaller country, but they want to know who you are and they want to know if, if you're setting up any red flags before you ever get there. That's just if you're coming in as a tourist. Um, we turn a blind eye and just hope if things turn out okay. You know, because we have this, I guess, vision that we're invincible. Well, at the moment, we sort of are. Um, but things can crumble very quickly. Things can go south very quickly. 9-11 was a very small taste of that. But there's a, a thousand scenarios that could have been worse. And I have a feeling, and I, I really hope that I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that in giving the Taliban Afghanistan, at some point we're going to see one of those scenarios. I don't want to see it. I don't want it to happen here. I don't want it to happen anywhere. I mean, it might be the UK. It might be Australia. But at some point, the evil that sits in Afghanistan right now is going to spill over. And it's going to end up in some, some place where it shouldn't be. Which is extremely sad situation. What do you it, think? You can't. Oh, go ahead. I mean, you, you can't defend all the soft targets. You can defend military bases all you want, but how many other places are there? And I don't want to go rattling them off. So I don't want to give anybody any ideas. But man, think about it for yourself for five seconds. How many undefended places are there in a country this size? In the other civilized countries, they're lightly defended, and that's the terrorist mindset. They're not looking to join up and form in mass and create an army and battle another army. No, they're looking to attack weak spots. They're looking to attack women and children, unarmed people. That's what they go for. And that's, that's part of the, the terrible part about them is that they aren't, I guess I want to say fighting honorably, but they have no, no problem with attacking the weakest, most vulnerable, most innocent people in a society. And like you said, you can't judge a book by its cover. So it's not a matter of what somebody looks like. It could, they could look like anybody, you know, so it's Richard not a Reed look. It's what's in their heart. Yeah, Rich, Richard Reed was an imbecile from the UK. He was a dishwasher. You know, we weren't exactly... If you were trying to create a profile, you wouldn't have picked British guy. Right. But you'd never know. I mean, it could be anybody. Nope. Sure can. So there's no really guarantees on that. Well, I've got an interesting one for you. 
Okay. So in the recent news over the last three days or so, they've been talking about General Milley's talks with China. And do you think that him talking with China at the end of the last administration could become an issue? Oh, it had better become an issue. Um, Because I remember not so long ago that Putz Lieutenant Colonel Vinkman, is that his name? He, uh, Vinman, yes. The magical whistleblower for the call that President Trump made to the Ukraine that he wasn't actually on. Um, But he was sure something horrible had happened. I don't know why that guy wasn't tried for treason. Um, But General Miley there, if Bob Woodward's book is correct, and Bob Woodward is no joke, um, he has been a journalist for decades, and he's a bit of a lefty. So for him to come out with this, I've got to think it has some credibility. Well, Millie admitted it. Millie came out and admitted it and defended his phone calls to China. Yeah, I, I, I was going to get around to that, but I, even if I just, even if, if Millie denies it, okay, if Woodward could source it, and from the stories I've heard, there's a few people who would testify that, you know, that he actually came out and told people to countermand Trump's orders. And if he's countermanding the chief executive, the and at the same time playing toward the, I don't know what word I want to use here, but playing for the benefit of China, I can't imagine why that man isn't being charged with treason right now. And for I, I don't believe we've ever actually enforced a treason statute since the Rosenbergs. Um, but the penalty for treason is hanging. I really, in my view, that man should be at least investigated. And if there's anything to this, and him coming out in a press conference would kind of make you think there is, he should be facing a, a criminal trial over this um, because assisting a, an, a foreign enemy power is a pretty good working definition of treason. Um, at best, it's sedition. Um, and he should be removed from his position immediately. And any politician any member of Congress who isn't currently calling for him to be removed from office should really be taking a look in the mirror and and asking themselves who exactly they're representing. Um, There's been a number of people who have really gone, I guess rogue's the word I want to use, in their position of power in the last few years. And nobody seems to be enforcing it, which is, an absolute tragedy in its own right. But the good general there seems to have been caught red-handed working for the best interest of a foreign enemy power. And I cannot understand why he isn't in a cell somewhere. If I had ever done anything close to that silly, I wouldn't expect to ever see daylight again. Well, we do believe in this country for due process and 
innocent until proven guilty. However, he did admit to the phone call, so that kind of shows that, but he does say that he defends it. So would you think just an investigation to start with? That, that was that was my early part, is that he should at least be investigated right about now. And one of the things that, that struck me as quite odd is, remember when Trump had his phone call with the Ukrainian right. president? And he released the transcripts. Right. Well, isn't it a standard pra- practice to record those kind of phone calls? It's supposed to be. Shouldn't some agency have a copy of the transcript? I thought all government calls are supposed to be somehow recorded or tracked. Between one of our top defense de- officials and any member of a foreign government, I'm pretty sure somebody should have a recording of that. And I'd be willing to bet that other people were listening in on that call. I'd love to hear that that story. I'd love to hear the text of that call. And it would be well within the president's ability to declassify that, that call, because the president is the, the highest authority on classification. President Biden could declassify that that call and let justice be served either either the man's innocent or he's guilty one of those two statements has to be true right classifying that call sure cleaned up real fast and it would and like i said i believe in due process innocent until proven guilty i'm not saying he did anything wrong for sure it just agreed you know we do need to check into it I would imagine that somebody should have a reasonable suspicion that a crime may have been committed, and that's where investigations start. Would that fall on the military to investigate, or would that fall on Congress to investigate? It should be subject to the Uniform Code of Military Justice. It should be the military's world. Okay, so they should be the responsible. That being said... The, the process isn't that different from the civilian court. I mean, the actual trial part's a little different. But things like search warrants and gathering evidence and talking to witnesses, that's all the same kind of investigative techniques that you'd use in any other crime. You know, from car theft all the way up to, let's, let's call it treason. And the fact that maybe it is going on, we just aren't hearing about it, but Something that high profile should have happened very, very quickly. Remember Roger Stone with the, what was it, 3 a.m. full-on FBI raid on his house? Yep. They showed up, looked like they were taking down a terrorist compound. Hit a unarmed, was he 70 years old, guy by himself at home asleep with his wife in his jammies. Mm. The good general should be subject to some sort of some sort of similar investigative technique if we're going to keep everything fair. Now, shouldn't he? He should. Well, we're going to have to uh, cut off here. So I want to thank you, Josh, for spending the time with us tonight and thank our sponsor, Logical Choice Realty, your logical choice for all your real estate needs. And a quick good luck to Chase Elliott and Team Hendrick in NASCAR's playoff race at Bristol. Don't forget to think outside the box to reach your next level of success. May God bless you and may God bless the USA.
It's been so great to have you join us this week. Outside the Box with Elsa is broadcast live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again soon. 